Drop the Coconut, Episode 2. Hello everyone, my name is Roy Peretz, and I'm here in Granby, Colorado with my husband Ron Thurston. We left New York City four months ago to live in an Airstream. I'm so excited for the second episode, as we share a little bit of personal letting go moments, or what I call Drop the Coconut moments. I hope that through these conversations you might find a few of them in your possession, and who knows, maybe drop one or two along the way with us. If it sparks something within you, I would love to hear from you. You can find me on Instagram at DropTheCoconut, on LinkedIn, and on Facebook. I hope you enjoy it, and thank you for jumping on our coconut wagon today. Hello, Ron Thurston. Good morning, Roy Peretz. How are you today? Fantastic. How do you feel after our first episode? Uh, I love that I have a new audience <laughs> <laughs> who has that, discovered me that's not maybe working in retail. That is all about dropping the coconut. That is all about dropping the coconut. Right. We are in gorgeous Colorado, right by the Rocky Mountains mm-hmm. in a town called Granby. Established in the late 1800s as a mining town. It's absolutely beautiful here. And I don't know why I'm surprised. I shouldn't be surprised it's beautiful, right? But I think that traveling through this country, seeing most of these places for the first time, I am pretty amazed at how beautiful this country is. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you don't see that when you're flying over it. You may look down and say, oh, look how green that is or how pretty that is. But when you're driving through it, through all the the crazy twists and turns of driving up mountains and driving through deserts, it's absolutely stunning. And I don't want to sound like I'm the first person who's traveling cross-country in America to discover how beautiful it is here. It's just that I forgot to take the time and explore and see with my own eyes what you sometimes get through television, through movies, through stories of other people. Mm-hmm. I forgot to take that time for myself. So I'm so happy that I dropped the coconut and reclaimed my time to see this with my own eyes. Mm. Do you feel the same? I do feel the same. And having spent the last nearly decade in New York together, that if I had mentioned to you a few years ago, hey, let's take a cross-country road trip and drive to California, you would have thought I was crazy. Absolutely. (laughs) So now here we are driving across the country at a very slow pace where we decided to stay here for three weeks because it's so stunning. Yes. And I feel that we are very lucky to have the opportunity and lucky that we can do this at this time of our lives together. Yes. Yes, I agree with that. In my head, I knew how big the country is, but driving through it gives you a whole other perspective. Yeah driving through these roads and through these forests and mountains. And as I drive through it, I think someone actually went through this wild nature that has been here for millions of years and paved roads and paved railways Mm -hmm. and created communities in this wild nature. And I can't stop thinking how amazing it was to do it for the first time. Mm. Yeah. Do you have the same feeling? I do, and and likely very overwhelming of you know, the big risk that it took or how to connect this country or what it meant to establish a new life having immigrated here um, from another part of the world. Mm-hmm. Like that, that, while that is still an important component of what, it, of what America is, 
150 years ago, it was probably really terrifying to think about all this open land of, and how to create infrastructure and jobs and community and, and what that all meant and the connection to other people. Another thing that strikes me as we drive through it is that each state almost looked different. It has different colors. It has different mountains. It has different trees. And it's unbelievable as if someone drew these lines of states by the geography and nature. And it's incredible to experience it and to see it happening as you cross a border. All of a sudden, the view changes and the color change. Yep, agreed. And again, you don't really have a sense of that from 30,000 feet. You don't. You, you see it up, up close in person. This is not a travel podcast about the beauty of America. Right. This is just us expressing that it's a layer of our experience camping and, and going on this adventure together. Right. That part of not only is it about people, right. about our own experience, but it is about the surrounding environment that I think has inspired both of us. We kind of sit in awe, right. um, having spent so much time in major cities, of what's what this country really has to offer. I want to mention in the same breath that as we go through this journey, we are aware and respectful of the idea that there were people and wild animals that lived in this nature mm-hmm. before other people came and built communities around it. And... It's something that stays in my mind as we look through this lens of travelers that we have to appreciate what we have, but we have to maintain the integrity of nature Mm -hmm. and maintain the integrity of people who lived here before Mm -hmm. we built all this. So it's just a note that stays with me for this entire trip and will stay with me wherever we go. Yeah. The other piece of this, I know you're experiencing it for the first time having not grown up in this country, but I'm a fourth generation Californian Mm -hmm. and I'm also experiencing it for the first time. So it's not as if many Americans freely explore outside of their own city and state. We went on a few trips as as a family when I was young, but for the most part, we stayed in California and enjoyed that beautiful state. But so much of of what you see and hear and maybe have perceptions about can only be experienced by going out and doing it. Right. And I feel that we, again, we're blessed to do that. We are. At this time of our life. Another aspect of this trip that is very impressive to me is actually watching you and the way that you connect with people. And I'm curious to know where you acquired this quality of connecting with any person that you meet for the first time or people that you've met 20 years ago and you see them just for context, we can step into a store, a West Elm store that you built 20 years ago, and someone screams from the end of the room, Ron Thurston. <laughs> and I'm scratching my head. You haven't been here for 20 years. How is this person calling you from the end of the store? Thank you for the compliment. Having spent nearly you know, 30 plus years working in retail for different brands, I do have a large network. And so I think that's, that's part of, I've opened a lot of stores, hired hundreds of people. I've traveled this country and visited stores and the actual skill of being memorable as a leader or as someone that's had impact on others' lives. It's something that I take very seriously because working in retail, the core of it is service. And I think about my own career I have been in service to others my whole life. And 
when I say in service, yes, to the customer, but more importantly, to my team, to the people around me, to the people I hire, the responsibility that I've had for their financial success, their career growth, all of that, I take that as a very serious responsibility. And with that comes the intention of doing the right thing. And I think that that's where it comes from. If someone remembers me, it's likely because I did something or made a decision or impacted their career in a positive way. And I see that. But I think that it goes beyond that. It's also when we meet new people right here around us. And I have to say that thinking through it, most of the people that we meet around us, they come from different backgrounds. They come from different states. They come from different experiences. But we all share one thing, and that's we all at some point drop the coconut mm. for most of us. So I think that is already a beginning of a conversation. But I see the authentic connection that you can create with someone that you just met for the first time. And I've tried to reflect that on my journey. And I'm curious to know what experiences or dropping the coconut moments you've had that you are able to do that. The coconut that I learned to drop, um, which I'm going to say took me some time to figure out as a leader, is that we have more in common than we don't. We all have shared experiences that may not be exactly the same, but if, our, if we lead with empathy and think about listening with intent, then we create connections and bonds that are not just about ourselves. Mm -hmm. And there's something unique about people who have an ability to listen to learn and with curiosity versus listen to think about what they're going to say next to add value to the conversation. I would actually rather not speak. I would rather listen and learn. And you can't do that in life. You, you have to share how you feel about things, but there's a human connection that happens when you listen to someone's story with curiosity and you, you inherently build a natural connection. What I'm hearing you say is that we might have different experiences, but the feelings that are attached to these experiences are the same. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, when I meet someone for the first time, I might come from a completely different background. I might come from a completely different physical life experiences. But the emotions that we go through as humans are the same. We have both experienced fear. We have both experienced happiness. Mm -hmm. And at the end of the day, this is where we connect. We connect on the fact that we have both experienced emotions that we can relate to one another. Yeah. And that those are big coconuts. And creating a kind of a safe space for you to share information about yourself with a stranger is um, a practice skill. Yeah. And that is, you know, I, I did some work with, in, with men's groups. And men in particular have a particular hard time sharing your fears and your trauma and your um, the things that have really impacted what you're most afraid of. And I had some really incredible personal breakthroughs having done some of that work. And that, that, that helps me in my professional life as well. And sometimes you don't have to actually share the actual experience. You just have to know in your mind that the person that is standing in front of you probably experienced the same emotion that you have. Mm -hmm. And that alone opens a door 
to accept someone, to make a kind gesture. It's not necessarily that I need to know everything that you've done in your life and everything that you've been through. But I can pretty much tell that you have gone through a few things in your life, and so have I. And this is the first bond that we have together. I have to tell you that I've been a little bit hesitant of meeting new people and how I can connect with them for the first time. And there are a lot of reasons to that. Some of them are work environments. Some of them are the cities that we live in. I can tell you that living in New York is very different than living in where I grew up, where our doors, for example, was open and neighbors could come in to grab a cup of sugar if they needed to. And I would be in my room and the neighbor, I'm just grabbing sugar. And in New York... That would never happen. That would never happen, right? So it's a lot about the environments that we come from and what we get used to. But going through these four months, I've started to reflect on my ability to do that and on my ability to see someone that is completely different than me and come with an open mind about what they can bring to this small interaction that is one minute. And for me, it all starts with our personal relationships that we build throughout our lives with our loved ones, with our partners in life, Mm -hmm. with good friends. This is where it starts. It is the moment where you let go of your perception of another person that you are open to accept what they have to offer. And we have met a lot of people that are very different from us, mm-hmm. but have been extremely kind to us. Mm-hmm. It wasn't clear to me that that's the way it's going to go. Because I've mostly accepted my information about the world for the past 20 years through television, through people who have been around me, mm-hmm. through others' people's opinions about the world. I haven't actually been to the places and met the people. And when you get all that information from someone else, you kind of start to build an idea about the world of what is happening out there. So when we went on the trip and we told our friends, and you know who you are, we told our friends that we we're going to go to Texas, and quite a few friends said, are you crazy? Are you going to Texas? And in my head, I was going, what is happening in Texas? Should we go to Texas? I even expressed it to a friend of mine that I'm very nervous to go to Texas. And he's like, why? And as we drove into the state, I felt very tense. But I can't express how beautiful Texas is and how beautiful and kind the people that we met were to us. So it was another moment of me thinking, damn it, why didn't I drop that coconut before? Why did I hold that idea that I know who these people are without even meeting them? I think that reflecting back on it, I can say that I've had many experiences where I had to drop the coconut with relationships. And I have to say that I have discovered that I am able to connect with people very quickly. Mm -hmm. I just didn't practice it for a long time. Mm -hmm. I haven't done it a lot in the past couple of decades. Maybe I did it in small scales, but not in big scales and with a lot of people that you don't know. But I've discovered that I can do it pretty easily. So I think about it and I try to reflect on how did this trait came to be. Mm -hmm. And I cannot ignore the fact that I have practiced this a lot with my loved ones. I've practiced it with my parents. I've practiced it with my siblings. I've practiced it with you. And this is a thought that came to me later on that we are actually creating a playground for us and our loved ones to practice communication, to explore what it means to discover one another. And then we take it out to the world. 
what we learned between us in the safe place with, that we can communicate, that I can communicate with my parents, that I can communicate with you. Mm-hmm. In that safe place, we've explored a lot of options of what it means to create a human connection. Mm-hmm. And then we go out there to the world and we meet new people and we use these skills to communicate. Yep. And a good friend of mine gave me a great advice about interviews, actually. He said, when you go into an interview, the first thing that you should say about yourself is something very vulnerable and personal, so you can disarm yourself. And I take that now outside when I go. The first thing that I want to say is something personal about myself, to show my human side, to show how we can connect. I want to give the person that I've just met a minute ago an opportunity to see me for who I am and not for who he thinks that I am. Mm-hmm. And I hope that we do this for others. But I'm going to take this opportunity to talk about two drop-the-coconut moments that I've had in my life that I learned from that I take now to the outside world. They're both very personal, but I believe in being personal and I believe in being vulnerable and I believe in putting it out there. The first one is with my parents. When I came out to my mother at age 15, I think she was a little bit confused. I think she didn't know what to do with the information and we kind of put it aside. And we haven't talked about it for over 20 years. It was always in the background, but it was never something that was discussed. Part of it was the fear of what my father will say. My father was a very dominant figure in my house, but he was quietly dominant. Do you know these types? (laughs) They don't need to say much, but when they say something, it's sharp as a knife. (laughs) So that's my father. Maybe I maybe I inherited that. I was going to say that. That sounds pretty familiar. Yes, I might have gotten a few qualities from him. But we were very afraid of what my father will say. And that fear held us in place for 20 years. It held us in place from getting to know one another. I went to college. I left to New York. Our conversations on the day-to-day or once a week were, hey, everything is okay. Yeah, everything is okay. Thank you. Bye. These were the conversations, very flat conversations that are more of a check-in, are you okay, less what's going on with your life. On both sides, it bothered me for such a long time, but I didn't want to break this status quo. I just wanted to keep it as it is. I was afraid of the reaction. I didn't want to create a shitstorm. And we just held ourselves in place. The coconuts were heavy. Coconuts were very heavy, absolutely. And the change came when we got married. When we got married... It was such a happy moment for me that I had to share it with someone. So I just threw it in a family text. We got married. My mother was very emotional about it, and I was not putting up with it anymore. I decided that it's time to have a conversation and to talk about it face to face and put this fear aside. This coconut was so heavy for so many years. And I think it was a Friday morning, and I called you and I said, I just bought a ticket to Israel. I told my boss that I'm going to Israel, and I'll be back on Monday. Right? It was a Friday. What? Because we got married on a Thursday. Right. At and City Hall, by the way. It, yeah. It's not as if you know, we didn't have a big wedding and didn't invite them. Right. You and I had thought about it, talked about having something at a bigger scale in New York City, but being married for us was more important than a big event. Yeah. And so that's why we got married at City Hall and had a, a dinner with friends, but we didn't have a big wedding and not invite them. Right. And we did think about having them in the wedding. We did. But we just couldn't figure out how to do that without creating that whole story. So as I call my mom and I tell her, I'm on my way to Israel right now and I'll see you soon because I'm getting on the plane, I get a phone call from my father. And my father is asking me, why are you coming? What happened? 
And I remember telling him, I'm coming, we need to talk face to face. And he's like, Roy, I know everything. Everything is okay. I love you. And that thing caught me off guard. I told him, I'm just coming home and let's talk face to face. And these 12 hours on the plane were so difficult. There were a lot of thoughts about who I am, how am I going to finally sit down with my parents and have an eye-to-eye conversation and share with them the experiences that I've had for the past 20 years that they haven't been a part of. Mm. And it was also a fear of what they will say and how they will react. It makes me think of how many ideas I held about my parents that I had to either let go or keep holding, but I knew that something was not working between us. As I get home, I immediately sit down with both of them, and it was the first time that we've had an open conversation about our lives and about our experiences. And I think it was the first time that they've seen me so determined Hmm. to share who I am and not afraid to say who I am. And that is something that when you stand in front of someone who has conviction and passion about who they are, Mm -hmm. you can't deny it from them. I don't know if this plane got lighter as we got closer to Israel, but I threw coconuts through that window in a paste (laughs) that I've never done before. But finally, when I sat in front of my father, I let go of the fear of who he was or the fear of what he would say or the fear of what his views will be. And I was just for a minute vulnerable with him and sharing with him that I want to connect with him. I want to tell him how I feel. Mm -hmm. And I don't want to call just when something is wrong. I want to share with you the moments that I'm happy. But if you can't be for me in the moments where I'm happy, you can't be for me in the moments where I'm sad. And that is a little twist on the saying that friends have to be there when you're sad or you're happy. I want you to be there, first of all, in the moments where I'm happy. Mm. I want to share the joy that I'm going through, and I want to hear your joy. And then if something goes wrong, we can absolutely talk about it. But I need you in my life in the place where we're celebrating life. And I think when I talked to him, we both let go of coconuts. We both dropped who we think the other person was. And we maybe saw one another for the first time as we are. I think my mother was a little bit confused. I think my mother didn't know how this shift has happened where we are just letting go. But I think it inspired her to take her time and start the process of letting go. Mm. I have to tell you that after this conversation, I have talked to my father every single day until he passed. And every single conversation, I told him, I love you. And he told me, I love you. And when we created that connection and let go of the ideas of who the other person is and just accepted the other person for who he was, there was nothing that could have stand between us. Mm. I know that you went through this journey with me. Mm-hmm. And I'm curious to hear what you saw happening during that time and how you perceived it. Because I know that you have had quite a different experience mm-hmm. with your family. Yes, my experience with my own family was is is different, was and is different. But I was really proud of you having the courage to be your real, true, authentic self to mm-hmm. them. And it wasn't as if I was a secret. It right. was more of um, 
not sharing all the day-to-day things that were happening in our life. And then my experience going to Israel with you a couple of times before your father passed away and spending time with him, who, by the way, didn't speak a word of English. Right. <laughs> Yet we had a beautiful relationship. Yeah. And so I think that there's power in human connection that's not even about language. Right. Because we couldn't communicate. Exactly. I literally could not communicate one word. And I actually found it kind of charming of like, to your point earlier, asking me how I do it, I was like, I'm going to connect with this person even if we can't speak to each other. And there are ways to, to do that through touch and through just sharing time. Um, is connecting sometimes. So I was proud of you watching you go through that journey. And I know how close you are to your family, um, which inspires me to to watch you do that. I think that it took me a good 10 years to find a connection like we have so I can share it with them, Mm -hmm. so I can express to them how happy I was. I think when that happiness reached a certain level where it was hard to contain, Mm. it was the right moment to put it out there to the world and talk to them about it. And I think it's interesting because meeting you was another drop the coconut moment and learning about creating relationship with someone that you've just met. Mm. And I met you after 10 long years of dating other people, always wanting to be in a relationship, but never quite finding the right person, Mm -hmm. I guess until I dropped the coconut on personal relationships. What I mean by that is that I've always had an idea in my head of who this person is going to be. I knew what he was going to work in. I knew what he was going to be dressed like. I knew how he was going to speak. I knew everything about that person that doesn't exist, by the way. (laughs) He was a vision board. A vision board. (laughs) And we all do that, right? I think that I've met so many people who do that in different aspects of their life, but especially in relationships where you have an idea about this person that you want as a partner and he stays as an idea for a good few years at least until you give up. And that was for me a moment of dropping the coconut because I saw every time that I met someone, I'm like, he's done meeting this check, he's not meeting this check, goodbye, I'm moving on. Until I decided to clear all the checks and I was telling myself, I'm just going to try to take all these filters down and see if I can connect with someone without these filters. Mm -hmm. Because it's like looking through a lens and through glasses that gives a certain color to everything. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't match the color, then you let it go. And I remember the first person that I did it after dropping the coconut. We sat in a restaurant and he asked me, so tell me about your other relationships. And I was 37 at the time, giving him an answer of, I've never had actually a relationship before. And that is true. I've never had a stable relationship for my entire adult life. And he was screaming from the top of his lungs in the middle of the restaurant, you want to tell me that you are 37 years old and never had a relationship? So in past life, this would be a no-no. I would do an X and I would move on. But this time I just sat there and I looked at him and I said... Yeah, you know, actually, many times I think that I didn't give chances to people who might have been a good connection for me. And I am sure that other times people just didn't give chances to me. Mm -hmm. So this is all about giving chances. It's all about letting go of what you think should happen and about letting go of who this person is in your head and seeing them as they are. 
of course, the other guy didn't work out. A couple of weeks later, I met you, and the rest is history because yeah. I locked it down. <laughs> you locked it down. I locked it down. And that's because... <laughs> You're a smart man. Thank you. And that is because I have seen so many traits that were not part of the checklist, but there were other traits that really touched me. And that's the way that you communicate. That's the way that you carry yourself, your calmness, and the ability that you can talk to anyone about anything. And that was a huge moment of relief to know that I don't need to hold you to the standards that I think that you should be. But I should try to find these places where you are your own person and see what you bring to the table. And the gifts that you brought to the table were so invaluable that all the checklists didn't even matter at that point. Mm. Thank you. How did you experience this moment with us? Did you have to drop some coconuts? I definitely had to drop some coconuts. But my, and my intention of dating was different than yours at the time because I have had serious relationships. Mm-hmm. And part of me having just moved to New York literally like 90 days before we met, my intention of dating, having been single for a few years, was kind of building my network, building my friend group in New York City. Um, and sometimes dating is a good way to do that because you meet the friends of other friends or like, hey, this didn't work, but you might know this person. And I went on two dates before I met you um, and same, like date number three, the rest is history. But my experience, um, part of the appeal was that you were very open. You were very curious and you were very, you were very not pretentious. Mm-hmm. And having just moved from LA where that's, you know, pretension is kind of a, a way of life. And you, like you, how you show up and who you know and what you do is really important part of your armor, your coconuts uh, in LA. And you were so fresh and so interesting and you didn't have all these preconceived notions about relationships and how it should be. I found that very appealing. Little did you know that I had to drop a lot of preconceived notions about what this should be like. Right, right. And it took me a very long time to come open to it. Right. So I was a little bit of like right time right place yeah. the universe <laughs> in strange way in the, in this gigantic city of 8 million people yeah you never know where it's going to happen but the reason that it worked is because we were both willing to try new things and to understand new ideas and new cultures and not try to build something that was about the past mm-hmm. that That's- was kind of unique about the future That is a very good point because we came into it almost as empty vessels Mm -hmm. willing to accept instead of willing to trying to pour what we have to the world, right? but just willing to accept one another and the experiences that we are about to have. Right. Reflecting on these experiences, I can see how I know to connect with people because I've done it before. I've dropped coconuts before. I have let go of things that I think about other people. And I'm grateful that I had the opportunity to explore it with the people that are closest to me and that gave me the safe space to explore it with them. I hope that as people listen to this conversation, and I know that we're going to have many conversations about relationships because this is is maybe the number one coconut. Mm -hmm. It's all about human connection. It's the holy grail of coconuts. (laughs) Maybe. It's the holy grail of coconuts, relationships. (laughs) Work is big and... 
a lot of things in life are big and happening, but human connection is the most important one for me. Having these moments where I was able to practice it many times with people around me that are close to me and that I know that I can do it in a safe way taught me that I can go across this little road here to a person that I've never met and share something about myself, open myself to them. It is above politics. It is above geography. This is not going to be a podcast about politics. I'm Dolly Parton of coconuts and Dolly Parton of campgrounds. <laughs> We're not going to take it there because it's not about that. Mm-hmm. It's about the moments where you just meet someone for the first time and you can leave them with a piece of kindness from you and take something from them that is a piece of kindness from them and continue in your journey. Yeah. I'm very happy that we had this conversation. I hope that it will inspire some people here to look at their coconuts. See if you hold a coconut in your hand. If you don't have it in your hand, check in your backpack. They might be a couple of there. <laughs> check them out. See if you want to drop them or you want to keep them a little bit longer. But I would encourage you to bet on yourself. Bet on yourself and let it go. And know that you are capable, that you are adaptable, and that you are deserving this change and you are deserving this letting go. It's such a moment of relief. To see the world for what it is and not for what you think it is. Beautiful. Thank you, Ronald Thurston. It's been a pleasure. Until the next time. Until the next time. Live from the Airstream. (laughs) Thank you for listening. If you're inspired, reach out to me. I would love to hear your story. And maybe we can drop a few coconuts together. Who knows? If you share this podcast with someone you love, I wouldn't be mad at you at all. And I'm grateful that you curved the moment out of your time to join us. Until the next time, drop some coconuts in 3, 2, 1.